Palmer Bear on the edge of the box. Oh, it's a straight-up screamer! Download our app today and enjoy straight-up screamers this FIFA World Cup with great odds, great promos and same-game multi at Palmer Bear. Gamble responsibly. For gambler's help, call 1-800-858-858. G'day, Mike Hussey here, but you can call me Mr. Supercoach. KFC Supercoach BBL is back and there's 25 grand up for grabs. So what are you waiting for? Play today at supercoach.com.au. T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorisation number TP slash 01005. Uh, it's been amazing, absolutely amazing, this uh, Commonwealth Games, and it's far from over as well, but uh, we've got so much to admire at this stage, uh, just uh, racking up uh, 16 golds, 10 silver, 10 bronze. It's been a staggering, staggering performance. Uh, and sports squash, mountain biking, judo, swimming, weightlifting, and, of course, uh, athletics at the main stadium. Our pride is running high this morning, and I'm sure, too, it'll be echoed in the thoughts of our first guest today, and that's Mark Watson, of course, uh, Athletics commentator, observer, extraordinaire, uh, Mark Watson. Uh, it's it's hard to uh, to find a high point at this point. I've just uh, been watching Hamish Kerr sing the national anthem for winning the high jump. Where do you start? Yeah, where do you start? Interesting. I was talking to um, cycling great Craig Adair yesterday, and we were reflecting on his key victory back in Brisbane in 1982, which stopped the nation. And what you don't realise is back in 1982, we only won five gold medals, and you've just now seen the evolution of sport. But it's not just those traditional sports that we're winning in. It's sports that perhaps 20 years ago, uh, Smithy, we perhaps didn't think we'd ever have a point of view in. Um, but, yeah, where do you start? I, I mean, it has been simply extraordinary. And it's full credit to the coaches and it's full credit to the athletes. Um, you know, look, the funding system in New Zealand's not perfect, but it certainly has made a big difference um, since, I guess, the disappointment of... Um, probably the Atlanta Olympics back in 96 and 2000 when things really did need to change and we weren't winning a lot of medals. But look, I'm really, really pleased for Hamish Kerr. Um, as I said, I was lucky enough last year to pull that great high jump final at the Olympics uh, where Barcelona, Bahrain and Tambori of Italy ended up sharing the gold and Hamish finished 10th. You know, he, he's clearly got a, a big championship mindset bronze medal at Indoor Worlds this year and beating Brandon Stark and Brandon Stark is the brother of Australian fast bowler Mitchell Stark. Um, Brandon will be disappointed. I mean, he's a 235 jumper. Um, but, you know, you've got to do it on the day. And then you go across and you look at Sam, um, Sam Gaze and you go, look, he defended his Commonwealth Games title. A lot of people, you know, not aware of that. Uh, but that was, just a, that was just a demolition on the rest of that field. A young Ben Oliver, a boy, you know, you've got just a, a wonderful succession uh, plan when it comes to mountain biking, um, and it you know, and it um, very much could have been a one, two, three um, if Anton Cooper had it been available. Yeah, it would have been. I think the trifecta uh, because Gaze and 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 Cooper are so competitive with each other, you kind of feel they would have cleared out, and that would have been something to to really behold a trifecta in one event. But can I can I turn my attention to uh, someone to? Uh, who has not won a medal, but by goodness me, has she made giant strides in the last uh, few months in particular, and that's Zoe Hobbs. Now, sixth fastest in the Commonwealth. Uh, she finished uh, sixth in the final this morning against a very, very good opposition, world-class opposition. Uh, 11.19, her PB uh, would have been good enough, her personal best would have been good enough for bronze. What lies ahead now for Zoe Hobbs? Oh, the world, yeah, great. Look, she'll start getting more invitations to the bigger meets. She'll get more starts um, on the international stage, and you need competition. You need to be regularly competing against athletes like 
um, Johnson Thompson, who you know are running under 11 seconds, and that'll be the next barrier for her. She want to be consistently trying to break that 11 second barrier, and then that puts you right amongst the very very best. Um, you know, 11 point what is a personal best 11.08, I think. Um, but also just gaining gaining the experience, learning to run in front of this many people. You know, she said after the World Championship semi-final that she froze a little bit, that she, you know, hadn't run in front of that many people. And don't underestimate just getting used to those peripheral things. Um, in your Commonwealth Games, you know, you've got opening ceremonies, you've got worldwide media, um, you're in a village with a whole lot of other athletes in quite an intimidating environment. And so you know, the Olympic Games is the same. So the more international experience she gains at this level, the better she's going to be. But she's still pretty young. You know, there's a lot of work to be done still in terms of the supplementary stuff, the stuff that you do in the gym, the core strength work. And so, look, I, I, yeah, I mean, I'm just, just thinking, I think the last, what, might have been Briar Troop back in 1990 in Auckland, I think might have been the last female we had in a 100-metre final. And, um, yeah, it, 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 look, it's exciting, isn't it? I mean, you know, you go back through the history of New Zealand sport, and we've had a point of view in most sports throughout history at some level, whether it be Formula One, you know, whether it be winning golf majors, I, you know, people forget Arthur Porritt um, won a bronze medal at the Olympics in the 100 back in 1924. But really since then, it's been pretty lean. And so it's nice that, you know, we're showing young kids that you can come out of Zealand, you can come out of small towns, you can come out of cities, and you can take the best in the world on in sprinting. And I think that's what Zoe Hobbs' legacy is at the moment. Um, and I, I do think in time, um, yeah, I think, you know, you move to four years from now, the next Commonwealth Games, and, yeah, there's no reason why she can't actually, you know, genuinely be competing for gold or silver. In terms of field events, uh, Maddie Wesh picks up uh, a, a bronze medal this morning, uh, a bronze in the pole vault as well. Gosh, our depth looks quite good there. Imogen uh, is winning um, a, a bronze, but Olivia McTaggart fourth and uh, Eliza McCartney not even there. Yeah, but that's the legacy, isn't it? You get Eliza McCartney does well, and then suddenly young girls who might come from gymnastic backgrounds think, hey, I, I want to be a part of that. You know, Weshi is very much the legacy um, of Valerie Adams. You know, what is, what's Valerie Adams' legacy? Yes, it's, it's changing the mood of a nation. Yes, it's two Olympic gold medals, a silver and a bronze, but it's inspiring that next generation, particularly amongst the Pacifica community. Um, and... That's what you want. You want that succession plan. Now, where she's another youngster, you know, you give her another four or five years and she'll be consistently throwing over 20 metres. And if you're throwing over 20 metres consistently, you're going to be in the medal hunt um, at the Olympic Games. Uh, you know, Valerie's one, I think, with throws of 20 metres, 47, 20 metres, 50. And so that's incredibly exciting. And particularly amongst that sort of South Auckland community too, particularly amongst that Polynesian community, I mean, you know, it's, you know, particularly Tongans. Tongans are actually genetically the biggest people on the planet. And we've got this incredible talent pool just sitting there waiting to be tapped into. And I'm so pleased that, you know, we're seeing, you know, we've always seen the benefits of the Polynesian Pacifica community in sports like rugby and rugby league, etc. But it's really nice. Now we're actually starting to see their athletic prowess in sports um, such as track and field. And hopefully encourages more and more uh, to get involved because there are some wonderful pathways and yeah, just 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 yeah, really really talented athlete, big future. In fact, I think sort of of the athletes we've talked about, she's probably the one who I think genuinely in the future can definitely win medals at the Olympic Games. Uh, away from uh, 
track and field side of things. Um, judo is a sport that kind of flies under the radar in this country, um, but it shouldn't at the moment because we've picked up three medals today. Cody Andrews is silver, uh, Moira de Villiers are bronze, and Sydney Andrews are bronze as well. Uh, that is outstanding uh, in terms of development for the sport, no doubt. Yeah, look, absolutely. And, you know, a sport that doesn't probably receive a lot of funding. In fact, I'm not sure they do get any funding. And hopefully this changes the game there because, you know, there's 100 million people around the world actually take up judo. It is one of the biggest martial arts sports in the world. Um, incredibly competitive. But you've got to have athletes that younger athletes can aspire to. And I'll say that. So we've picked up three medals. And now, you know, they've shown again it can be done. There is a pathway. And, um, yeah, look, you know, the coaching staff, that organisation need to be congratulated. You know, we need to continue to invest more money in coaches. We need to make sure that we've got more athletes competing overseas on a regular basis. But you can't do that if you don't get the funding. And the great thing about the Commonwealth Games is it is a shop window for those so-called, what we deem to be, certainly from a media point of view, minority sports. You actually look at the numbers overseas. They're actually truly global sports. And so... Hopefully, this wakes a few people up. More money's put into the sport, and we can take that next step from Commonwealth Games to sort of, you know, a World Championship and Olympic Games level, where, you know, we've got athletes inside the top eight, the top ten in the world. Well, you know all about endurance sports. Um, I'm not quite sure how much squash you've played, Mark, over the years, but I'm absolutely <laughs> in an ama- amazement of this. Uh, this Paul Cole who just seems to have uh, an engine that will not stop and uh, he actually in the end wore down a really spirited Welshman and Joel Macon. That was a, a terrific uh, gold medal final. Uh, but he, he is, uh, I've labelled him a machine. He is a damn machine, Paul Cole. Oh, one of the toughest sports aerobically squash. Absolutely brutal. Um, yeah, look, I think the most underrated athlete in New Zealand sport. Uh, I think there needs to be more discussion around him. I think he needs to be, you know, really sort of put up on a pedestal. Um, you know, you go back to the likes of, say, Greg Norman, clearly Dame Susan DeVoy. Um, but to do what he's done, you know, World Championships, you, you look at the British Open, uh, now Commonwealth Games gold medal, and, you know, boy, you've got to have a head like granite. You come, you know, you had to come from behind to win that in size. Um, you know, boy from the West Coast has just gone and done it on his own. And that's the other thing, too. I always say this. You know, I'm a big believer in funding, but I think a champion will always find a way of becoming a champion no matter what. If you want it desperately enough, you will get there. And I think he is very much a metaphor for that. Um, and, you know, he's now, again, another athlete that's provided a pathway. He's actually the argument, too, is when, you know, people go, I can't make it because I've got no funding. Well, Paul Cole will prove that Yes, you can make it, and then once you do make it, hopefully you do start to get some funding. So it's interesting, isn't it, that often we, we tend to get these athletes that come out of sports that don't receive a lot of funding, but you know, they're successful because they're just so passionate about what they're doing, and they just, you know, they've learned how to lose, or they've learned how to win. Um, I always remember studies that just try and sort of put it in context. I'm sort of going off on a little bit of a tangent. Always remember bike rider. Um, Alexander Vinokurov, the Kazakhstan road cycling champion. Now, this was during the Lance Armstrong era on the bike, and he sort of was stuck back in the peloton, and he decided that he didn't really want to be in the peloton. He needed to be up with the boys in the break, which included Armstrong and Floyd Landis, and broke away, rode up, and 
remarkable thing too, got dropped, rode back on, attacked the boys on the climb. And the piece of commentary was, never underestimate a man brought up on rationed cabbage. And what I liked about that line is that, you know, it's adversity that often drives people. And so, you know, Paul Cole is a classic example of that. And, you know, I still think that's where we sort of find that balance sometimes with sport. Yes, we want funding, but you still got to sort of make sure that funding or no funding, these athletes are just absolutely committed. And you get the two, then yeah, you're away in Paul Cole, a wonderful, wonderful athlete. I just wonder, uh, Marco, in summary, how, how do we how do we regard this? We, you know, often in, in sport we get a bit uh, a bit gushy and a bit, bit knee jerky immediately after the event and say this is the greatest, this is the greatest of all time. How do, uh, putting this in perspective, how does this performance overall rate for you? Look, I, I think some medals carry more weight than others. I don't think there's any doubt about that at the Commonwealth Games level. I, I mean, you know, like Hamish Kerr today um, and Brandon Stark, two metres 25, nothing particularly special about those heights. Um, they probably would struggle to qualify for the top 10 at the Olympics. But you do have to look at some of the intangibles in terms of the experience gained. I think in a situation like Lewis Clearbird, I think those performances are just genuinely world class. Um, you know, Aaron Gates and what he's done, genuinely world class. Um, you know, I don't think these guys are going to have any problem at the Olympic game level, um, you know, taking that next step and carrying this form through. But look, look, it's you've got to have what the Commonwealth Games does, it's a shop window for a lot of these sports that don't get a lot of coverage here. And that's really important. You've got to have aspiration, you've got to have pathways, you've got to have kids growing up believing and dreaming. Now, in some sports these days, you know, with maybe the sinister side and drugs in it, it's not just a case anymore of saying, hey, train hard, be the best you can be and you'll be a champion. But I think at a Commonwealth Games, that is very much the case. Um, you know, to stand on the dais, to hear the national anthem. I mean, you know, it's, it's tough at the moment um, around the world with the total situation, inflation. Seems to be a lot of um, animosity between so many different groups of people these days. And sport brings everybody together. And so... You know, look, it puts a smile on your dial. Some of it for only 24 hours. Some of it will be a lasting legacy um, that will, you know, sort of go down like the Dick Taylor moments back in 1974 and some of those other Commonwealth Games moments. So, yeah, look, I think um, really, really proud. Um, I mean, we love to see medals, don't we, in, in those traditional sports like swimming and track and field, and we've seen plenty of that. A cycling program that's always off the, away from the velodrome has been... You know, much maligned. There's been a lot of negative publicity, and for the athletes to be able to step up and go beyond that, uh, you know, how many more kids are going to be riding your bike? I think what you're going to have riding this afternoon. Well, you didn't I say you're going to go and ride Mater? Where were you going to ride this afternoon, Smithy? I'm going to ride d- down to Mater Peak. Down to Mater Peak. <laughs> oh, you got to climb up and ride, ride down. Yeah, I'll get a ride up and put my put my bike on the back of someone's ute and ride down. That'd be good, though. I'll feel I'll feel just as bad at the bottom as if I had ridden it up. Don't worry about that. Hey, uh, and the other thing, I guess, that what it does illustrate, just uh, away from um, the actual athletes themselves, our coaching structures uh, must be looking relatively good too. Yeah, look, I'll always say this. I mean, it's it's all very well investing money in athletes, but I've always said this: build. Um, bricks and mortar, build the facilities and best in coaches. Coaches come and go. I mean, athletes come and go, coaches last forever and it's always ultimately does come down to um, really, really good coaching. But look, I, I, I think um, you know the two velodromes, one in Southland and the one in Cambridge, have made a huge difference 
you know, talking to Ron Cheatley the other day, you know, back in the, when he was Olympic coach back in the 1980s, he said all you ever wanted was an indoor velodrome. He said we had the talent, but we just didn't have the facilities. And so, you know, we're clearly doing a lot there. Don't be afraid to tap into coaches overseas. Don't be afraid to tap into those resources. But look, I tell you what this actually does. It puts our traditional sports like rugby, cricket, netball, everybody, not so much netball, but particularly rugby at the moment, you know, we've only got a small population. We've got all these sports suddenly put in front of people. We see these sports also in our living room, courtesy of Sky Sport 24-7. You know, the definition of sport in New Zealand is, it has evolved. It's no longer just rugby, rugby league, cricket, netball, and it's all of these sports. Now, you've got to make sure you're well organised. You've got to make sure that you are endearing. You've got to make sure you've got heroes because we've only got a small population. Now, you've got all these kids suddenly thinking, you know, I wouldn't mind taking up swimming, I wouldn't mind taking up high jump, um, I wouldn't mind taking up cycling, uh, weightlifting. And, you know, these traditional sports are under siege a little bit. And so for rugby at the moment, um, <laughs> you know, must-win test match. But, yeah, you know, they've got to be careful because I, I still sense at times there's a little bit of arrogance amongst some of those more traditional organisations and I'm not sure they can afford to be any longer. Nice, uh, a really nice uh, reflection, Mark. I really appreciate that. And still more to come. Thanks for your time this morning. And uh, long may it continue. I'm absolutely loving these games. Uh, Cheers, buddy. Thank you. No worries. Thank you. When making the double chicken deluxe at Macca's, we wanted to improve on the perfect combo of tender Aussie chicken with cheese, tomato and aioli. So we doubled it. Chicken and Macca's together and loving it. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Available after 10.30am for a limited time only.